Hello and welcome to Talking Foosball Extra, the Bundesliga show, your source for all things German football. My name is Nick Wiltagen and today I wanted to talk about Borussia Mönchengladbach and who's the man I always turn to when I talk about Borussia Mönchengladbach? Well, it's none other than full writer, podcaster, Gladbach fan, Bundesliga expert, Manuel Breuer. How are you doing today, Manuel? Hey Nick, well, I'm doing well, considering the circumstances currently <laughs> with my team. All right, let's dive straight into those circumstances then. Well, you had a couple of very decent, or one very decent year and a somewhat chaotic year under Marco Rosa. The coach who left you for Borussia Dortmund, presumably greener pastures, he thought. And he was replaced by Adi Hütter, who previously had taken Eintracht Frankfurt to new heights after doing quite well in Switzerland uh, with young boys uh, Bern. Now, what did you expect from a guy who's won championships in Switzerland, who's taken Eintracht Frankfurt deep down into to a competition like the Europa League and, you know, transforming a team that was sort of a mid-table side on Niko Kovac into a team that challenges for the Europa League year in, year out? I think the one thing that stuck with Gladbach supporters when Adi Hütter came in was that they were looking at, when they were looking at the time in Frankfurt, mainly, it was about creating a team that is very forward-thinking, very physical and very annoying for the opposition, creating, you know, lots of chances playing attacking football. And of course, already under Rosa, but that was also something that we've seen under Dieter Hacking. There was this feeling around Borussia Park that the team can be lethargic at times, can be quite absent. And Hütter, when he came in for Gladbach supporters, was really the solution, or, you know, Abel seemed to have found the solution to get somebody in who gets the team, you know, rallied up, really excited about that 90 minutes on the weekend every week. Well, Adi Hütter, uh, from the onset, uh, seemed to be perfectly fine with the squad that he found at Borussia Park. I mean, the loan of uh, Hannes Wolf from last season was made permanent. Luca Netz came in from uh, Hertha BSC. And, you know, that's about it when it comes to transfers. There are, of course, a few players coming back, like uh, Kone, for instance, but... Not really, not any new guys whatsoever. So, do you think that was Abel thinking that, okay, this is a squad that fits Adi Hütter well? Or do you think that Hütter looked at the squad and thought, well, uh, yeah, I can work with that bunch? Knowing what we know now in, you know, mid December, I, I think it was a mixture of Hütter looking at the quality in the team that is just there. There's no discussion around that. But uh, at the same time, you know, Eber thinking, well, we, we could have, should have, would have sold the players in question that are now hotly debated to leave the club as soon as possible, uh, likes of Matthias Ginter, Dennis Zakaria. And of course, in summer, we had uh, Marcus Turam on the way out to Inter before he got injured. The combination of both, so Abel not being able to sell these players because of Corona, the market's taking a dip, everything is a bit slower, and Hütter probably thinking that's that's okay for now. I can do with these guys. Maybe possibly underestimating the, yeah, the 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 rhythm and the the, the dynamics that had unfolded in the squad. That's why they decided to go forward. And of course, you have, as you mentioned, you have these two players. You also had um, Kone, of course, coming in finally. Joe Scali was still training with the under-23, and he was coming in as a first squad addition. 
of course, not expected he would make that many matches now. There were some options, you know, to sort of back up a squad that, of course, was not playing in Europe. So I, I guess the verdict was, yes, quality is there. We couldn't do much about it. We couldn't get five, four or five new players in um, or major signings. And that will do. That will do. And, well, it hasn't really done you a world of good so far. But explain this to me then. Gladbach starts off the season with a 1-1 draw against Bayern München, which is a good result. Bayern tend to struggle at Borussia Park year in and year out. That's sort of a typical occurrence. But a few months later, these two sides meet again in the DFB Pokal. And it's a 5-0 thrashing of Bayern München, something that we haven't seen in years. I mean, I, I struggle to think the last time Bayern were that thoroughly demolished by any side, any German side. So... You sort of think, well, the, there is some quality here. But then sort of the same bunch of players goes on a month later and loses 6-0 against Freiburg, being down by 5-0 after 25 minutes, which is a new Bundesliga record and not one you should be proud to hold. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and I think that record will stand for a while, you know, because, uh, the, you know, even Greta Fürth now... Oh. Wait until Werder Bremen comes back into the Bundesliga. <laughs> well, you know, Werder Bremen actually they 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 were almost matched by Freiburg because uh, the club greatest or the biggest Gladbach home defeat is to Werder Bremen from 1966. You'll be happy to hear. So you know, Werder still holds the top spot there when it comes to home defeats for Gladbach. I'd love to hear you say that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought so. And um, as you say, it's it's crazy. It's crazy to think that the same side who. Um, demolished Bayern Munich in an evening where, you know, we've seen, we've all seen Bayern Munich lose matches where they got unlucky, maybe hit on a counter-attack, they got, you know, a, a few decisions go against them, somebody hits the post, crossbar, Lewandowski is not, not informed that day, and then, yeah, okay, you can cover out a good result against Bayern Munich, but Gladbach was absolutely dominant for 90 minutes, there was no doubt they were going to put a couple goals across them, you know, you know past them, and, in, and at the same time, a month later, it's a team that plays not worthy of professional football. Um, it has to be said that way. We're looking at so what's happened in that moment. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you you mentioned and you mentioned this as an as an almost like a you know proof that Gladbach should do better, and that is the quality in the team. And I think this is the core issue that we've seen develop under Rose already, and maybe even Dieter Hacking. That there's always been quality in the squad, but somehow the way the club crafts the squad uh, also communicates, I guess, uh, with the, within the squad, with the squad and the team. There's also a hotly you know, debated issue of Abel versus the supporters, the fans. All of this creates an atmosphere where the players may not feel they need to push as much as they should. So, you know, the Bundesliga now has sides of, you know, has Union Berlin, Mainz, Cologne this season, Wolfsburg last season, who almost, with, maybe with the exception of Wolfsburg, overperform in terms of their individual quality, just if you look on paper at their players. But, but because they, they throw in a shift, they, they know the system really well. Both Svensson and Mainz comes in and gets Champions League results, basically, in terms of the points they've been picking up in 2021. 20, Gladbach is quite the opposite, almost. Un constantly underperforming on your average, you know, Tuesday night in Stoke <laughs> matches. The highlights are still there. We beat Dortmund this season. You mentioned the draw against Bayern Munich, which really should have been a win. The cup match in January at the beginning of the Rückrunde, beating uh, Dortmund and Bayern at home as well. The guys are there and they show the quality in these big matches as they've done in the Champions League last season. Again, same squad. But 
it's just not a constant performance in, in, in Gladbach. And this must be due to the squad well, slowly but steadily falling apart when it comes to the coherence. Right. So when you look at the squad then, and you think it's getting less and less coherent, and say Max Ebel looks at his squad right now and thinks, damn, I come to the same conclusion. What should he do about now? I mean, there is a lot of quality. There are players you could get rid of. But um, do you do that in the winter transfer window? Or do you say, well, this is Hütter's first season in charge. We give him a grace period of this one season. And as long as things don't go too badly, I mean... <laughs> I mean, Alf Freunde had the headline, Welcome to the Relegation Battle, and then a picture of Bruce Image and Gladbach players. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Funny, but it's not far from the truth. So, I mean, if, you, if you're if getting down, sucked into that relegation battle big time, you know, there might not be any other option but to let go of it. But let's say he manages to stay away from that somewhat. So do you give him a grace period of one season and say, okay, next summer we rebuild and we are going to get rid of these guys and bring in, you know, some other type of players? And what sort of players would that be? <laughs> yeah, I think the answer here is in, in, in this situation, we uh, we or the club actually, or Abel has to absolutely push for big changes in the winter transfer window, which is something Abel absolutely hates and tries to tries to avoid at all costs. Um, and, you know, there have been seasons where Gladbach has done nothing, not even, uh, you know, a loney out or so in the winter. The only things we've seen is players like Corneo Scali being officially bought, but they were still loaned out to their previous clubs. So this year around, we might see some changes. And one of the main reasons is maybe not the situation that is highly precarious. I think, and that includes me, there's a lot of supporters and you know, people around the club being seriously worried about the club, the, the state it in, because it's just the coherence is not there anymore. What what does Gladbach stand for? What is the overall idea? Even Adi Hütte, you could question, what kind of football will he bring to the club? Is it is it possession-driven? Is it counter-attack-driven? Rosa had moved the club even further to, you know, possession football, although that at times was maybe miscommunicated in terms of the football he wanted to play. But uh, definitely Adi Hütte is not a player that plays easy um, long spells of possession, but he has sort of a squad for this. So the changes are certainly probably would be in favor of the football that Ede Hütter is playing. But more importantly, uh, Matthias Ginter and Dennis Zakaria, who I mentioned, they of course are in the last year of contract. So they would leave the club for free if uh, Eber just decided to run with the squad as is. And a lot of a lot of this, or this aspect is also true for a lot of other players. You know, then we're thinking of uh, Mbolo, Jonas Hofmann, Benze Baini, Mbolo, player. They all have contract until 23. So Gladbach has always been set to sell the players on with a chunk, you know, f- nice profit, getting them in uh, as, as good, you know, talents, promising talents. But they somehow through Corona and maybe also some misjudgment on some players or how they would would go on or move on uh, has you know have a bit lost their rhythm on this. So Abel has to capitalize on the likes of Ginter and Zakaria and well you know rumors have it that this is actually there's an ultimatum that they both have to make a firm decision by the end of the Hinrunde, which is effectively in you know eight days and. That will, of course, free some money and give some options. Now, that being said, the winter transfer window is horrible, right? It's, it's fit, <laughs> patching holes. Uh, you know, you're you're on an icy road and you have a flat tire and somehow you try to 
you put a bit of chewing gum on it, right? That's sort of how it feels quite often, transfer <laughs> deadline day. Uh, we've seen this in, in, in England or in the Premier League quite often, uh, quite some, yeah, some uh, really odd transfers going on, a lot of money being exchanged. So Eber tries to stay away from this, but I think the current situation in terms of the ranking in the, in the, in the Bundesliga, but also the options he has going forward with his squad, he will have to make significant moves in the winter window. Right, and what should those moves be? And up, you know, are there are there any rumors? Yeah, so of course the local newspapers they in, in in the past days they you know compiled lists of a list of players who have been linked to Gladbach in the past, but this is all hearsay, and there's really nothing nothing decided, and and certainly from the from the management side or from sporting director side, there's no comment on this or any admission that the squad will have to change. But he even said this week uh, in an interview asked about Zakaria and Ginter that in the current situation, he literally does not care about individual players. The, you know, the, the whole, the club is important to him and he doesn't want to comment on this because he has, of course, been commenting on this for the good part of the season, what happens to these players. But I would expect things to happen because... We think you shouldn't underestimate the effect this has at the moment on the supporters who feel a bit alienated. There's this old discussion or this old misunderstanding between Gladbach supporters, maybe also very traditional Gladbach supporters who still remember the the dark days of the 90s and early noughties when, you know, Gladbach was one of the teams sure to be about to be relegated until the last match day, or even you know spend a year in in, in this in the Zweite Bundesliga, and and Eber who cannot accept that maybe people want to now move on from the mantra he's been instilling into the club since 2012 2011 that we've come a long way, and I think he has to deliver a bit more this time than just tell everyone to sit it out. And it's not necessarily about finishing the, the season only on. On uh, you know eleven or twelve in the league, some mid-rank uh, table position. That's not what the supporters are about. It's about giving ident- identity to this team, who seems to be, you know, filled with players who are in their hats on the way out since they played their Champions League knockout stage against City earlier this year or at the end of last year. Right. I mean, I'm looking at transfer market and at the the Gerüchteküche, the the rumor kitchen. If you translate the words directly, I mean, it's the rumor mill. The players listed there are first and foremost strikers and left midfielders or left wingers. And there's one uh, right back in Tobias Pashniok. Are, are those the positions that the Ebal should be focusing on? Or should he bring back Oscar Wendt? Because, you know, I miss a sweet in the team. We all do. We all do, Nick. Absolutely. I think you touch upon a good point here. And that is, we, and I don't want to make this too much of a very populistic debate around you know leader and personalities on the pitch because I think every club or every supporter of every club has this feeling that while well, there was this one or two players in the past 15 years and it was absolutely the leader on the pitch and that's what we need this is this is not always how the team structure works but certainly what is true for Gladbach when you mentioned Oscar Wendt him and other players who are the absolute key players of the last decade. You know, we can we can extend this to there was Martin Stranzel, there was Ruhl Brauers, there was Raphael, there was Max Kruse, there was Mike Hanke, if you remember, you know, 10 years ago. And of course, Oscar Wendt, Fabian Johnson, all of these players, I think what they had in common 
you know, the reason of that is, is quality, but also age in some instances, is that I think their time at Gladbach was peak time for them, as in they would happily play for Gladbach and they weren't on their way out to one of the major clubs in the Champions League, or at least it didn't feel like that. And I think that was the backbone of Gladbach for the good last 10 years. And this has shifted t towards potentially more talent on paper, but the club has become a little bit of a, yeah stepping stone or too much too much focus is, is laid on the stepping stone players and therefore the the task here to who to find in in winter is even more difficult because i think it goes through the entire team we're talking about ginter as allegedly the main man for the defense then you have zakaria who's running midfield up front we've seen player to rum always been linked to move on so if you if you talk only about these players maybe you include jonas hofmann who has voiced at the beginning of the season that he might, you know, change uh, change the club or looking at to change soon. He's the main goal scorer with seven goals in the Bundesliga this season. So if you replace all of these players, that's your axis of, of you know, folds. So it's not about getting a quick winger, a quick dribbler in. It's really about restructuring the team. And I find this personally almost impossible during the winter break. But Ebel has to try. It's sort of what what is Abel's blame here? What sort of blame should he take here for not moving these players on in the summer? And what's been, you know, simply down to COVID. I mean, the insecurity of how things were going to be and if we were going to see full stadiums this season or not. It was there. And, you know, once again, uh, we're nearing winter. I'm here in Norway. We're pretty much about to lock down. Uh, we're just a step removed from locking down. Here in Norway, Omicron is uh, the new big evil, which, I mean, pretty much it, it keeps world leaders awake at night. So once again, we're going into a period which uh, spells a lot of uncertainty in terms of revenue from spectators and such. So, yeah, I mean, where to put the blame, really, is, is uh, the short question to my really long-winded ramblings here well it's you know it's it's true there's uh, the covid factor is a factor i think for a club like gladbach who doesn't have another side story or chapter doesn't have a really strong academy push players up into the into the first squad like you know freiburg has shown year after year but you know even clubs like 1860 munich of course who still do this from the third division who have quality there there's lots of examples of course in the bundesliga as well union berlin gets you know cheap deals in every year but gladbach was relying on these mega transfers uh, of of two or three key players and yeah that was more difficult than maybe anticipated for Abel. And that's certainly, I don't want to call it a mistake, but it's just that the things that are unfolded in, you know, world health and world politics hit Gladbach hard in this instance. It hit all the clubs. But of course, if you're just in that window of selling on two or three key players for maybe 50 million, 60 million in total, you know, uh, to Ram, who I mentioned, he was on the way out to Inter when he got injured in the match against Leverkusen for allegedly 37 million. Well, that is a good, you know, that's some good Christmas money in your stockings, right? So, 
you know, it, it changes things. And especially uh, in the summer, I would have made uh, some extra cash or liquidity there for Gladbach. So this is a big part. The other one, of course, is Eber is is a bit reluctant sometimes on changing things, on moving around. And this conservatism has served Gladbach well, but it was on a strong foundation until 2018, 2019 of um, things clicking together. There was a master plan. And yeah, maybe there's time now to leave that path and, and go a bit more forward and, and, and you know, get some get some signings in to, to just do something about it and maybe also give the supporters the feeling that something needs to be done. Because at the moment, Hütter also doesn't seem to be absolutely sure and absolutely clear on the system he wants to play. So I would I would assume that these days there's some long discussions, longer than our discussion here about <laughs> about what's happening and who to who to bring in and what he wants to play. You know, Glub he's tried to put in a back three, which looked actually quite successful. Um, you know, Gladbach now has 28 goals conceded, but they doubled that in the last three matches, which is unbelievable, of course. You know, before that, 14 goals conceded. After a really bad start to the season, they were down to almost just one goal conceded per match, which is a really good stat. Um, that was mostly with a back three. So he seemed to have success with that, having the wingers, having Scully and Nets or, you know, Liner when he's now back, pushing up and down the wing, uh, really solid in midfield. Um, but as soon as these players, all of these players lose form at the same moment, it all looks a bit silly and he might revert back to a back four. But is this really the system he wants to implement? You know, you can go on on, on, on a lot of these positions. and But that's the ultimate question. What is Adi Hütter wanting to do with the squad that Abel gives him? Because I don't I don't think there's any chance that Adi Hütter is on the way out. Of course, now he's been criticized as well. But Certainly, he had a hefty price tag to come with when he joined Gladbach. And Eber is not known to be a manager slayer. Um, he's rather reluctant on this level. So that would be the first decision to, of course, continue, as you mentioned, seeing out the season. That will certainly be, in my opinion, with Adi Hütter, unless Gladbach loses the next five or six games in a similar fashion in the previous three. So it will have to be changes, immediate changes. <sighs> to say it's a big mistake, this was a mistake by Eber in hindsight, it's always easier than just uh, maybe saying that, well, it was a, a mixture of circumstances. Yeah, uh, you know, look, looking at the squad, you you just have a feeling that this squad is, is ready for overhaul anyways because, you know, there's 17 players who either have a uh, contract uh, expiring this season or next season. So how many of these 70 players are still going to be there next season? Maybe half? Maybe slightly more. So I think it, in the back room, Gladbach are probably just saying, yeah, yeah, this is a transitional season, isn't it? And what sort of gives me some hope for Hütter is the fact that he was sort of a tinkerer at first at Frankfurt as well. He didn't start off with, you know, getting off to a flying start at Frankfurt before he took them to the new heights that he then took them to. So... I mean, sometimes these things take time, and uh, if Abel is the type of guy who actually gives his coaches some time to blend in and find out what they want to do, it might actually be a good match between Hütter and Abel in the end. Yes, and um, I think as I was saying also in terms of the supporters, uh, people who follow the club, they'd be more than happy to see a development, a transitional season, but with a younger squad that is developing. We've mentioned Kone, who who looks a fantastic player. He's of course now in his first well, you know, crisis or dip in form. That is 
completely perfectly normal. He's playing now every minute in center mid. He's 20 years, first Bundesliga season. The same can be said for Luka Nets now, you know, making more minutes than he did with, with Hertha. And of course, Joe Scali coming in at 18 years of age, who looked fantastic in the first 10 matches of the Bundesliga. And around that core, maybe you have Evedi, Zoma, you know, is, is, is a sort of fix in, the, in as, a, as, a, as a keeper there. Around that squad, you have four or five players and maybe also Rani Benzabaini stays on. You already have a, a certain core there and around that, you will have to develop the team. And I, I do agree that um, Hütter has this capacity. You know, he, he had this situation where, uh, where Armin Yunus was loaned in and then he, he played uh, two number 10 players off Silva at Frankfurt, which looked spectacular at times really fluid attacking football and he kind of just came up with it let's just play two number 10s basically which we hadn't seen in the Bundesliga <laughs> uh, at least you know a lot of cup clubs really went away from this number 10 position and he just doubled doubled it so uh, I think he has room for for well tactical maneuvers there and uh, certainly the young players of course I would be really keen to follow and definitely you know the key is once again the overhaul of the more senior players and those who are on shorter contracts and uh, we actually have to have to monetize on them all right so exciting winter times ahead for max ebel for gladbach and well uh, we'll see what happens in the rückrunde anyways um, you mentioned that there was a bit of unrest between the fans against max ebel can you tell our listeners what that is all about i mean why should anybody be against max abel he's done uh, tremendous things over the years hasn't he <laughs> yeah absolutely no he, he has and 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 i think that's the first part of the sort of misunderstanding that is ongoing and that sometimes surfaces and, and has in the past you mentioned oscar Wendt, of course there was once a situation where he was booed after a passed back to the keeper sort of two minutes into uh, into a match at Borussia Park and uh, Oscar Wendt then sort of made, made a gesture towards the supporters and Abel afterwards was really upset with the supporters and in these situations of course he's right to sort of curve you know the enthusiasm or the expectations but overall there's just this history of him being getting very defensive when it comes about criticism that is actually quite applied and on point as opposed to you know, complaining that it's not 4-0 at halftime against its side that surely Gladbach should be. It is really about the the criticism that has been voiced over the years that is founded on data or on reasonable arguments that he's been very defensive about. And it's one of these moments, again, where in the press conference in general, but also around matches, you can see that he's sort of, you know, he's sort of listening to this and reacts, overreacts to this. And I think he would do well to to listen to Gladbach supporters, because I think for a side, and again, Gladbach is not unique in this, but there are a few clubs who have had this ups and downs of now almost a decade of, you know, European football before that, 25 years of crap, frankly, before that, a very successful 10 15 years let alone the seasons in the 70s you know where it was it was uh, top top in europe uh, so gladbach supporters of a certain age have of course seen all of these ups and downs and they have a certain connotation that the club uh, represents a lot uh, for that region and i think they just they just worried and and the, the, the opinion they voice and gladbach has a very strong base around blogging and podcasting and all of these voices there's sometimes been all cast away or thrown into a pot with or it's just an you know angry dudes in the stands ranting after five minutes and this has been ongoing and it's not to be underestimated it sounds like a funny episode on you know well you know what should Abel 
care about the Gladbach supporters. But this is something, of course, that you at some point cannot stop anymore. And um, at the moment, it's really interesting to see how Abel will react to, well, the ongoing dissatisfaction with the season. I mean, it's sort of like when you have a podcast and or you write a blog, you know, I've done both. I think as, as long as you're aware that you are the guy sitting at the back of the class and throwing spitballs and you sort of show that through your work, you actually you actually say, well, I'm not on the inside, but this or that should be talked about in public and we want answers to that. And as long as there's that sort of reasonable criticism, anybody would do well to, to respond to it. So why Max Abel isn't able to, um, to do that and sort of just... Um, throws that into well it's just a bunch of angry dudes that must be quite frustrating yeah it is and and it's funny because it connects to the main point of criticism that that was officially brought forward towards Eber to which he reacted in in uh, you know a sports studio on on Saturday night in German football that it was Gladbach was a haven of good feelings or a Wohlfühl-Oase, you know, so it's an oasis of feeling cool, feeling relaxed, like a spa in the Bundesliga. And that was the main criticism the fans, or at least he, he that's the echo he sort of heard from the fans. And he was really upset with this and said, like, no, this is absolutely not true. But there's already some truth in the way Abel communicates and this word where any, as I was saying, he gets very defensive about any kind of criticism. So he wants to have his haven of, you know, we're all in this together. This The club is moving in this direction. This is the right direction. Everything is fine. And, you know, there's, you can already see that, of course, he's not going to be happy with this word because it also describes a bit his approach to PR and comms when it comes to his own supporters. So that's why this, you know, these days are really interesting because I think he's, he would have to, you know, be wise and, and tiptoe a bit more rather than, you know, stomp his feet around a Borussia Park these days. <laughs> well, that interview definitely wasn't a Wolfville Oase for Max Abel then. So anyways, uh, the, the last question I'm going to ask you is, uh, where, where do you think the season is going to develop from here? I mean, what it all boils down to from what we've been talking to so far is basically winter break is key, right? Absolutely. Yeah, winter break is key. I think it's already important that, of course, the remaining two matches against Frankfurt and Hoffenheim, you know, Gabbach gets some points out of it because the position number 16, the relegation battle spot is is really on uh, currently. So to avoid that, it's it's moving, changing things in the winter break. And then, frankly, I don't see anything happen, even if there's some magical four or five players you know, revelations appearing in the winter break. I don't see Gladbach having to do anything with the European spots this season. That's because it's not just a bad spell. There's some underlying issues, as I was trying to describe the last, you know, half an hour. But, you know, the golden exit may be the cup this this year. Hütter has done tremendously well with Frankfurt in the cup, of course. Bayern Munich and isn't in it to win it yeah, anymore. Some team miraculously defeated them, exactly. And Gladbach has now has an away match to Hanover, which well, I can definitely see them lose because that's will be just very classic Gladbach style. <laughs> I I watch a lot of Bundesliga too and I have to well, I mean you have a history of losing to Hanover and the DFB Pokal, haven't you? But leaving that aside, uh, Google it if you don't know what I'm talking about. I think from watching a lot of Bundesliga too, you should be fine. I mean, even at an empty Niedersachsen Stadion or even a filled Niedersachsen Stadion, the match is a couple of months away from now, so no nobody really knows what 
what happens by then. Anyways, uh, you should be fine because Hanover 96 is probably one of the worst sides currently playing in the Bundesliga 2. And that's probably not going to change under Christoph Dombrowski. Yes, and I think, you know, it's just assuming an average performance on that day in, in January. I think it's January 19th, that match. Um, of both teams, you would assume there's a really good chance that Gladbach goes forward into the quarterfinals. And of course, then you can always, almost smell Berlin, although I don't know these days if that's a particularly good smell. But, you know, it's 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 a short way to Berlin. And then there is something there for talking about the squad again, that assembly of quality players to maybe go out with a trophy which is also of course that something that Max Eber has been chasing so there is some silver lining there maybe through this competition this season which yeah will nourish the Rückrunde hopefully so this is my optimistic view of what's still up for grabs purely Bundesliga wise I think it would just have to be as you say a, a transitional season transitional season well that's not a word any sort of fan likes no Werder has had 10 of them before getting relegated to the Bundesliga 2 <laughs> yeah and there's yeah, so, there's a chance of of course uh, a transition rather being a, you know erosion a slow erosion towards <laughs> towards the second Bundesliga and we've seen it as you said we've seen it with Werder of course but uh, other you know examples come to mind as well and this is the danger uh, the dangerous we, we saw with Gladbach in the 90s as well I mean you've, you've been through that as well Ex- absolutely good point good point and uh, there's some similarities some people in around Gladbach try to make with the season that led to relegation where everybody agreed that quality was there. I mean, you know, the, the Gladbach side that got relegated in, in 98, 99, you know, there was Sebastian Deisler, Robert Enke were there, you know, uh, absolute, probably some of the biggest talents in German football in the last 15, 20 years. And the side got absolutely better week in, week out. We, you know, we talked about the biggest defeats in Bundesliga history, you know. Uh, that season was 7-1 to Wolfsburg, 8-2 to Leverkusen. Now we have a 6-0 to to Freiburg and, uh, you know, God knows Leipzig had to, you know, perform better in terms of in front of goal. It could have been six or seven goals easily as well. So um, there is a lot of uh, parallels there. So I do feel as well that um, one has to be really careful about this. Oh, it's just a transitioning season. So it's really a transition with a lot of sort of uh, asterisks on it and a lot of worries <laughs> <laughs> transition with a bit of a queasy stomach there yeah anyways uh manuel it's uh, always a joy and a pleasure having you on talking foosball extra before i let you go uh, tell our listeners where they can find you on twitter and where they can find your work great to be here once again nick thank you and uh, you can find uh, me on twitter at binger05 and find forward abroad at Firewater underscore EN. Excellent. You can find our podcast at Talking Foosball on Twitter. You can find me, Nick Viltagen, at Norm Musings. Uh, this episode has been produced by Aiden Rantoul with the utmost of care as always. Goodbye for now.